Joe Show. Celebrities, pop culture, and comedy. Yes, this guy right here. Everybody knows him. He's a super. He's a superstar. Can I call you superstar? Uh, you can do what you want. It's your show, and I think we can all agree that I'm recognizable. You are very recognizable, right. but it's still that guy. Oh, hey, 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 whoa, 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 hey, funny guy. Oh, do they? It's do fine. They, I'm do fine. Do you get that guy a lot? I get more and more funny guy, which I appreciate more than that guy. Okay, yeah, because that guy could be like kind of creepy too. You're right. Like you're that guy. But yeah. when it was like, oh, hey, you that funny guy? Yeah. Because they know you always bring it. Yes. David so Kechner. I'm, I'm fine with that. David Keckner live inside the studio right here. Hello, world. I wouldn't say America. World. Because I'm wide. <laughs> I'm nationwide. I'm worldwide. That's a steal from the ZZ Top Top. You are so. worldwide, though. Uh, we, we all are at this point. Yeah. To yeah. a degree. How do you, you know, when you started the industry, not a lot of people worldwide. Now, anybody can be worldwide. Now, that's all that matters. But... But okay, this is it. This is what I'm trying to navigate. I'm a little older. Not, I mean, I'm not as old as me, but that's exactly. I didn't want to say it, but you did. Uh, But do you fight that balance since you're in the entertainment business? Do I got to jump into that world? Do I not have to jump into that world? How do you approach it? I'll tell you. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, uh, I was with my uh, daughters. Well, my two oldest daughters. My youngest daughter is not social media savvy. Thank. Uh, fully my uh older daughter is 18 and the next one is 13 and so i told them yesterday i'm gonna set up a tiktok account and they got really <laughs> upset now here's what audrey did the 13 year old she so margo the 18 year old who's a senior is just ignoring it like i'll let this play out and i'll let it happen whenever i'll weigh in when i need to tip the scale that's really the thought process yeah then audrey went so far as to set up my entire account almost like calling my bluff the 13-year-old? Yes. Okay. Because I really don't care. I really, 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 I'm so sorry. I really, 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 really don't care about social media, which is antithetical to our business. Yes. Uh, you know, whether or not you and I care about it, it's part of us. We have to have it yeah. because it's commerce. And so are you going to get in a canoe with a paddle or are you going to stand on the shore and hope a rock floats you? That's not a bad mo- metaphor. Yeah. But. So Audrey went so far as to set my account up, like calling my bluff, calling my bluff, and then I'm just like, no, dad, no, <laughs> you're not getting it. No, you're a creepy old man if you do that. Did you do it? No. Oh. And, no. And then I said, is there a father-daughter account? She goes, yeah, dad, there's a lot of them. Just, just, just that point of like, she can't even stand the fact that I feel like I have to speak to her. Oh, yeah. She's 13. 13, that's the age, though, I heard. It's true, it's true. Uh, Margo is less uh, inca- incapacitated when I tried to interact with her, <laughs> but Audrey is fierce. Okay, so so we're having a new baby, far away from 13. We don't know Your if it's second a boy. One. Second one. We don't know if it's a boy or girl. How old's the it, first one? Uh, two and a half. Okay. So if it is a girl, what advice would you have for a new father of a girl if it is a girl? So the first one is a boy. Boy. Oh, you're just going to be happy. Oh, why is that? Oh, boys are the hard. Really? Oh, I heard girls are the hardest. Who told you that? Nobody. I'm just. Well, no, I, no. I just in my well, mind. So, no, no, so the, because you're a man, uh, your natural instinct is I really have to double down on protection. Yes. Now, the, I think the the greatest gift we can give to our girls is the the respect and kindness we give to our mate. 
Yes. Because then we have a better possibility that she will seek the same and not settle for anything less. That's what I'm talking about. Boom. He brought it around. You see there? That's the end of the show. Brought it all the way around. Thank you for tuning in. Well, you, well, you, you can cut all that other nonsense. <laughs> Look, I'll go 12 miles to get a one-mile answer. I know. And this was a sprint, but you ran a marathon. But, but hey, but that's what makes it I took funny. a lot of breaks. You're like, it's a left. I, no, no, you went right. It's a left. It's a left. Anyway, yes, sir. I want to know how you started in this whole craziness of yes, entertainment. Sir. I'll go back to the begin. I'm from a very small town in, in central Missouri called Tipton. Um, it's a town of 2,000 people. Now 3,400 because they moved the city limits to include the prison. <laughs> it's so sad. Federal dollars are allocated on headcount. Oh, yeah. And so there are incarcerated people. To the number of fifteen hundred in that town, it's nearly doubled it. So and these poor bastards are like, where, where are we? I'm living in Tipton. I, I'm a resident apparently now. Anyway, um, <laughs> we we don't have time to talk about incarceration and uh, yeah, the uh, you don't pet- seem happy about it though, David. Come on, man. Yeah. Your city. The, well, you know this. Yeah. This country incarcerates more persons per oh, yeah. capita than any other country in the world, and we're the freest. That actually qualifies as our irony. So look up irony because you think it's coincidence. Coincidence is not irony. So quit describing coincidence as irony unless you want to go, I'm stupid. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where I came oh, from, how I got there. Yeah. A small town. Tipton. Always knew early, like something, I, I don't belong here. I don't belong here because I'm a creep. So <laughs> I knew early, like, I have to move to a city. I got to get something else. And then uh, eventually, by the time I was 13, I was like, I, I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to do something. Now, when I was 13, it was the first year of Saturday Night Live. Oh. And so I was watching that show, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be on that. I'm going to be on it. I'm going to be on it. Not even wishing. Just knowing. Knowing. Yeah. And, and this not arrogance. Uh, the, 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 the arrogance is refusal. Refu- arrogance is refusal of your dream. That's arrogance. Now, uh, kindness to your dream and your heart and your soul. Kindness is accepting the dream that cascades down from your mind that was informed to you by your body, because that's the only place where truth lives, but we don't have time for that right now. Anyway. You're deep, man. You're deep. <laughs> David's so deep. So I remember distinctly uh, being 13 years old, and I'm um, in a small town, and I'm like, I, I, something else, something else. Not, not that there's anything wrong with the people there, but um, they, they tend to be more narrowly focused globally. Narrow-minded. Yeah, thank Very. you. Very. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, and and I, how did you, how early on did you know, oh, my brain doesn't work like theirs? Uh, I can't pinpoint it, but my guess is uh, birth. <laughs> 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 I mean, I got put there for a reason. Yes. Either they accepted that or they said no. And when that happens, you're like, okay, then I'll go where my gifts are allowed to, you know, prosper. So um, about 13, was, I realized, like, I want something else. And I saw Saturday Night Live. And like, okay, and this is before the internet, before a lot of books. And you're still about, in Tipton. Yep. Okay. And before, you know, even books about that institution were written. So I was still kind of like wondering. I didn't even know how that happens. Deep in my heart, I wanted to be an actor, but I'm, I've never met anyone. I've never met anyone who ever thought about that. 
uh, that's just such a foreign idea is like saying I'm going to join um, what was that old um, French Foreign Legion. Okay. Right. So then uh, I became a, a poli sci major uh, throughout my uh, later years in grade school and then uh, in, uh, high school. I was always interested in politics. I still am. And uh, what's happening right now is a travesty, but it's about to end. Oh yeah, uh, we can only hope. Well, man, we could talk five hours about that, That's but finally, we won't. Or, or, or twenty seconds. Or ago. Tw- oh, we agree. We agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. One hundred percent. Yeah, it has to happen. Yeah, criminal, because criminals, criminals, criminal. Because you can't, you can't spin it, you can't run from it, you can't hide from it. So you can either get on the right side of history or not. That's what I'm saying. And we agree. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, um, I was a poli sci major, but I really believe that was a desire to seek a stage, probably. Uh, because I didn't have any design on how a person really followed that type of dream. Plus, if you're in an environment where they don't um, believe in dreams or don't want you to have them, if you declare it, everyone's going to do everything they can to pull you down. Yes. Yes. So it took some time. And then uh, like that, as a poli-sci major, by the time I got to my third year, I was like, this isn't. I realized this. To be a successful politician takes three things. Either A, you're uh, born into a political family, B, you're super wealthy, or C, you're the smartest person in any room you walk into. I was none of those things. Mm-hmm. So I realized, like, ah, this is... I'm Politics is up, out. Yeah, I'm going to wind up an aide or assistant, or a, you're, you know, poli-sci, it's either you're going to be a lawyer or you're going to be a teacher. I was like, ah, no, no, no. So I quit going to my classes, and uh, if you don't go to your classes, you're uh, a- academically ineligible. Yeah, they'll throw you out. So I, <laughs> I came home that December, and... Uh, <laughs> My my grades came to the house, and uh, you know I'm like waiting, waiting. My dad got my grades. Like, well, Dave, I don't know what you want to do, but I don't think you want to go to school. <laughs> that's, that's how hard it was. Because he was happy. He's like, oh, I don't have to pay for this, right? So, what school were you going to? At the uh, by then, I was going to the University of Missouri. Okay, I started at a place called Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas, by parental decree. Mizzou, then Mizzou, mm-hmm. and uh, we recognize Missouri is a shameful place now. Missouri, uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? you got to do something better. Here's what Missouri has. <laughs> I'm going to call this three strikes. So Missouri, 2017, uh, NAACP travel warning. That hasn't existed in any other state in the union for 30 years. That's a very shameful thing. Mm-hmm. And you did nothing. Then um, you become the state that passes a law that pretty much bans uh, a woman's right to make a decision about her life. That's bad. And then you keep the guy that's the worst representative of any of these ideas for a long time. And then, last week, in Kansas City, Missouri, which has a very large African-American population, you decided to unname Martin Luther King Boulevard. The only city in the country that has made that decision. What the fuck? Well, you know, I, 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 my disappointment is beyond measure and nearly beyond uh, ability to even articulate it. Uh, whoever voted, so the, the, I will say this. Mm-hmm. They did the tricky ballot measure. First of all, no city has ever had a a municipal vote 
on changing a street name. Yeah. It's always done by the city council. So some super racists, and you have to say super racists, not just regular ones, like a Donald Trump racist. Yeah. He's a mm-hmm. super racist. Oh, yeah. person like that put on the ballot, and they're canny enough to, so if you voted yes, it meant get rid of it. Get rid of the boulevard. If you voted no, it meant keep uh, change the boulevard to Martin uh, to Paseo. So it's like uh, uh, Prop Eight here in California. Got you. Mm-hmm. Prop Eight in California, uh, a yes vote meant you're anti uh, uh, marriage for all peoples. Now, and so you parse that anti marriage means men or anti free marriage to whomever decides mm-hmm. to part whatever. So. Missouri, tough, tough, tough. So, yeah, you know, being from there, proud of it. No, Southern Missouri is worse than Central Missouri, but still, overall, Missouri, you're uh, just in a shameful, shameful place. Worse than Alabama? That's hard. Yeah. Anyway, so, so that's where I was, uh-huh. and I went to Mizzou, and then uh, briefly, and then I went and saw a show at Second City in Chicago because I'd read a lot of books by now about uh, Saturday Night Live where they came from, read books about Second City, read a bunch of books, and realized a lot of people that got to Saturday Night Live came from Second City. So I mean, my, my, my buddy went to Chicago, uh, went to a show there, and I'm like, holy fuck, holy fuck, holy fuck. Yeah. Still not even knowing how this works. And then on my way down, it's a two-story uh, structure. On my way down, I noticed this, this poster, and they taught classes. I was like, oh, oh. Now, anybody else would be like, well, of course, that's what. I, but for me, I'm like, that's how you do it. So I had a matchbook and a golf pencil because by uh, in those days, you still had to fill out comment cards, and they hoped to get your address, blah, blah, blah. To so, get you in the class. So I surreptitiously wrote down the number for the classes, still expecting, because my Tipton boy was still expecting someone doing this. Like, why are you writing that down? Right? Yeah. So at that moment, I was like, okay, good, 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 good. This is what I'm going to do. So then I was uh, there in Columbia working three, uh, three different jobs as a, as a cook, a sous chef, and a cook, and uh, saved my money, moved to Chicago a year later, and started taking classes. What's the worst job you ever had? Uh, so I've worked since I was uh, seven years old. My father was a manufacturer of uh, livestock trailers, mm-hmm. and so I did his own manufacturing building there in Tipton. So I've always worked. And uh, by the time I was a sophomore, I got tired of working for my dad. <laughs> and so then this farmer named Howard Hayes came looking for help. Now, Howard Hayes didn't need help. He wanted just someone to hang out with. <laughs> Howard Hayes was known as the guy who spit tobacco everywhere. Oh. The side of his truck was just, just one long uh, brown streak of tobacco. And he'd been kicked out of every uh, tavern and restaurant uh, and nearly store in town because he would liberally, liberally uh, uh, spit his tobacco wherever he felt. Oh, like okay. So he was uh, an anomaly, <laughs> an outlier, I guess. Yeah. So uh, he came looking for help. So my dad boy was like, how about that boy right there to teach me a lesson? Ah. Oh, you think this is bad? Oh, you're having trouble working for me? Go work for Howard Hayes. Sorry. Uh, his, 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 his wife was my uh, kindergarten teacher, one of my favorite teachers, lovely woman. They're, they're all past now. So any descendants of Howard Hayes, I uh, hope you get a chuckle. Going, ha, ha, that's grandpa. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I worked for Howard Hayes for two weeks, and uh, it was, that was the worst job. So what did you have to do? Uh, he, so between the highway and the fence line in a rural area, that's state-owned property. 
But he would have me, because he just wanted someone around, I guess, have me cut weeds out of the weeds. Okay. Along his property line. Just like, what is this? Just for so no I'm, reason. Yeah, I'm getting the hay fever, uh, hay fever and just, <laughs> it's, you know, summertime, burning down, just all kinds of awful. Okay. And also, uh, now this is going to get into a little bit of uh, imagination. Okay. If you're sowing beans, means you're planting soybeans. Uh, there's a, a thing called a drill. So the thing that you think is a, a plow uh, that plants are a planter that plants uh, things in the ground. In soybeans, it's a drill. So it's got a a, a little, um, it's a two-wheel apparatus, and it's got a hopper where the seeds go. And behind that, it merely kind of places the beans uh, mechanically every so often in a field. Behind that are uh, chains with an O-ring at the end of the chain with drags and just gently uh, grazes the soil to cover these seeds, okay? Gravity does it. My job was to stand back on the tongue, that means uh, like the hitch of the, the tractor, and make sure the, the chains of the, the, the um, what do I call it, the bean plow? No, it's not plow. Okay. I had the word earlier. It doesn't matter. (laughs) They're they're not going to move. If you pull something behind you, it's going to stay behind you. My job is to make sure it stayed there. Yeah, that's... that's... Standing on the tongue of a tractor for hours in the sun. Not having enough water, really, because you don't prepare. You're 15. You don't think, oh, I'm going to need a gallon and a half. And you get, you know, a couple quarts, and you're like, God, I'm so thirsty. This is awful. Why am I hanging on for dear life behind this tractor, standing on this narrow piece of metal, watching things that naturally take care of themselves? (sighs) Why am I winded? That was the worst job. Okay. Gotcha. So you saved up your money. Uh, Then I went. went, So you want to jump to the head of the story? How much time do we have? Because this is a five-hour podcast as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Anyway, here's the point. The point is, point is. I've never been unemployed in my life. Okay, ever. good. Not once. Okay. So I did that, and then you start. Then you start making choices. The good news is this: my dad was smart. Make choices. You don't like that? It can get worse. Make choices. Make good choices. So then, that's what it becomes. Really, hard work and good choices, choices. get you where you want to be. Now you can either not work hard and not make choices, and you wind up wherever life brings you or takes you. Right. So that's your choice. Yep. So. All it takes is one decision. As they say, to decide means to cut off from any other ideas, to cut off from failure. So if your decision is success, then that's it. That's it. The failure is not an option. Only success is the option. And then you will naturally gravitate toward everything that will eventually make you successful. How long did it take you to get in that mindset? I would say it probably happened immediately, but to be able to distill it down to that articulation of like, oh, I see. Because like that. Yeah. So I started working at seven. My guess is my dad started working at four. Yeah. (laughs) No, my kids have not had a job Job. yet. They are gonna and fail. And the youngest is twenty nine. Oh, that's a lie. Okay, so so let's go through this because yes, this sir. is not a five hour podcast. Yes, David. it is. So, 
So you you have this terrible job. But let's, okay, let's okay. get to Second City. So yes, second I moved city. to Chicago. I read in the paper about this cat named Del Close who was teaching classes at a place called the I.O. I went to the Improv Olympics, studied with Del Close. Then I subsequently signed up for classes at Second City. So I was studying at Second City and the I.O. at the same time. Read Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Get 10,000 hours in. So I was doing all this work, all this work, all this work. I was on stage within two months in Chicago after I started taking classes. And then all you do is talk about your craft and your art, your craft and your art. Now, some people can get uh, impeded by that because if it's only that, then you get bogged down like, do you like me? Do you like me? No one likes you. It's true. It doesn't matter. Do you like you is the only thing that matters. And I don't like you (laughs) or me. You like yourself. Of course I do. A little bit. It's all satire. Folks. So so you were going hard in Chicago, yep. cla- private class, or working with a coach and then doing... Well, we're doing several different uh, improv... Improv. Groups, yeah. And so, also then start taking acting classes, yes. Go ahead. So when did you know that, oh, I got this, I, I have a talent for it? Uh, you, you naturally start watching the people you come up with, Yeah. right? Am I, am I keeping up with my peers, right? And I always was. And I always felt like, okay, there was, a, a, there was an ocean, then a lake, then a hot tub. And you feel like you're in that hot tub. The only person that scared me, and not scared me a lot, because I then immediately go, okay, he's different. Uh, I came up with Chris Farley. We started together at the same time. Now, Chris is a very special once in a hundred years comic. Uh, um, rare. Uh, gifted by God or the angels, wherever you want. Gifted by the angels, because he was an angel, actually. Chris was an angel. But his wings were uh, covered in doubt, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was just an amazing blessing. His heart was huge. Um, His gifts were universal. And uh, no one who's ever worked with Chris could ever say there's anybody better. Because you can't describe what he had. You can't, you can't describe it. It only is. It's pure comedy. It's like, oh, there it is. And you can't do that. If I'm working towards something, if I'm working, then I can't do it. That means I'm not. Then I am. I, I'm not. I am. Uh-huh. He is. So coming up at the same time yes. as Chris. Then I quickly take him out of the mean. So if you have a mean, which means like, okay, I'm stepping up toward what my goal would be. And this person goes like that. You're like, I'll take him out. I don't consider him part of my trajectory (laughs) because he just was a jet plane. Did you, since you started to sign, did you know this right away? You could tell. You could just tell. Like, well, no one touches that. You can tell. The rest of us are here. We're all getting better. But, oh, fuck. What was that? As a shooting star. Wow. Yeah. You can tell. And as soon as y'all hit the stage, it was like when he went on, he would just steal the whole. Yeah. Wow. Well, and with and it was not ego. Zero. It was just him. Zero ego. It was just um, the angelic vocation of I am to bring joy. That's who he is and was. I mean, you know, is because it exists. And, you know, it's just a beautiful human. So for you... Because you said, oh, I start to see the people I came up with. And then I, I would imagine, oh, those people I saw before me, now I'm getting to their level and yes. now even passing. And then you watch. How long did that take, though, for you? Oh, I, I never I never thought of someone I passed. I never oh, thought. Oh, not passed, but. Well, no, like, but it's, yeah, it's legitimate. It's legitimate because in our business, there are people uh, um, among our uh, tribe 
who go, oh, I'm better than that. Yeah. And look, nobody's better than anybody. There's only one person in my way. Yourself. And, and yeah. it, because I, one thing people need to know, like, especially in stand up, in, in any comedy you do, it's all subjective. Yeah, exactly. Some people may think you're hilarious and some people may think you're not right. funny at all. Exactly. There are 10 comic stars or four that we could both talk about or, or say, do you like this one? Do you like this one? Like, oh, fuck no. Yeah. But you know, like that one who less people know, you know, that's the best. That's the best. You know, yeah. um, uh, uh, Albert Brooks in Judd Apatow's book uh, talks about um, the idea of where you are, who you are, and what you do. Now, uh, Albert Brooks, his father was a famous comedian. His brother's a famous comedian. Um, his last name is Einstein. <laughs> so Albert Brooks is actually Albert Einstein. Einstein. <laughs> yes. uh, his father was a, a, a comic say, uh, whose name was Parker Carcass. And this is an interesting story. Um, so they used to do the Friars Roasts. And they weren't televised, but they were roasts. And there's a big Friars Club. And I believe this was in L.A., and he was he was roasting uh, uh, Desi and Lucy, Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball, and uh, he'd been you know working for years as a comic, and he'd been infirmed. He was he was he was frail and sick, and this night he was on the dais, you know, among the roasters, and he roasts them, and he just kills it like the greatest performance of his life, and then he has a heart attack, and people don't know if this is a bit. This is while he's still just the end of his performance. And people are like, what's happening? What's happening? And they worked for an hour and a half to try and re- uh, revive him. And then he passed. He I died mean, right there, yep. I mean, you drive your greatest set ever. Good, bad, whatever. It's amazing. Anyway, his son is Albert Brooks. And so in, in Jed Apatow's book, book uh, Albert Brooks talks about success and, you know, what what's the measure What's what what matters that kind of thing, and he said, and this is my impression. You know, the money's in the middle, which means yeah. where everybody is, everybody's in the middle. So you think about your sitcoms, and there might be the most whatever watched sitcom right now might 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 not be one that I like at all, and I might go, I, I don't get it. That's yeah. not that's not that's not funny, but no one's left out. That's the middle. Where no one is left out. So a lot of people, you have a sense of humor. Yeah. Some people don't have a sense of what humor is. But when they go, oh, 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 I'm part of it. Now, you and I might go, that's the tail end of it. And so we can be elitist and go, that's not funny. But if that person laughed, yes, it is. It's funny to them. Right? Yeah. Now, also, I'll be the corniest guy in the room (laughs) if I can get a laugh. I will swing at anything. (laughs) <laughs> my batting average is nothing but god damn it i will clear the fence you know enough they go oh yeah, yeah okay he, he's a hitter yeah i but, mean you've hit like one at least so far I mean, a lot. <laughs> but, uh, so you know we're talking about like you know or the, the original question was and i never digress i i, um, I don't even know what my original but point i like it but the thing was you know when you would you, the, but what matters who's funniest to whom Yes. It, like you said, it, that's what it was. It's, it's all, all subjective. subjective. It's all subjective. So, look, man. If I oh, get, we were talking about uh, Farley and right. to uh, See, your... Farley's that rare one where no one could not say he's not funny, right? Yeah, so 100%. He was universally funny. I don't care if you only like, uh, you know, Jean-Paul Sartre, Sartre or, or, or whatever, whomever, uh, Bertolt Brecht, only uh, the, the most elitist comedies or, or you know, progressive... Chris Farley destroys everybody. Yeah. Period. Yeah. It's pure. 
And that's the purest I've ever seen it. I've never met uh, a person that didn't say, and like you said at the beginning, the most loveliest human being you'll ever meet in your life. True, true, big heart. The only other pure comic is Andy Dick. Now I know Andy's had his troubles. Yeah, and he continues to, and you, you stumble, but you know you can always stand, Andy. You can always stand. Any day you can wake up and go, okay, I'm fine now. I will continue to be. Uh, in terms of pure, pure comic, it's Andy because it's 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 um. It's not trying. It just is. That's Got you. Just, he's rare. He's rare. Now, because um, we only have about 15 more minutes. I'll take two. Oh, 100? <laughs> but you, you, you can give me questions that must be answered in 30 seconds. Okay. You like. okay. Well, you don't have to be answered in 30 seconds. But after, after uh, you went into uh, the improv classes, yes. you excel. What was that jump? Uh, what was that next big jump for you? I, I would say uh, continuing to uh, dive deeper into the work. Okay. Uh, um, Del Close would say that, you know, comedy is important. It's not something that's frivolous. It's as important as religion. And so when you treat it that way, you give, give it more respect. Mm-hmm. So you have more self-respect. And you, you have to inform yourself and you have to inform the audience. Del would say treat your audience like they're poets and artists. And then they have the chance to become that. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, the audience is shit. It's never the audience's mm-hmm. fault. Never the audience's fault. You didn't connect for some reason. Well, was it your arrogance? Did you uh, only come on in with ego? Your job is what? Reading the room first. Well, your job. If, I to don't make read, people laugh. Our job is to make people to laugh. To bring joy. To bring joy. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's it. Whatever it takes. So now if your ego gets disturbed because you didn't get what you wanted, then you're not doing your job. You know what I love about stand-up? Because I know you do stand-up, Well, I too. do it now. I didn't start as a stand-up. I know. I know. You do yeah, it now. Right. Uh, actors uh, say, because, you know, I was on the set of, this was when Modern Family was huge. And they knew I did stand-up. A couple of them saw me. And they go, I can't. Like, actors, just actors. I'm not talking about actors that do improv. Just straight-up actors. They're amazed at stand-up comedians. That's. I feel that if you're good at stand-up comedy, you get the respect of the industry. Right. More than just acting. Right. Do you believe that? Yes. Now, the trick is to get the respect of stand-ups. Ah, gotcha. Right? Yeah. That's, so yeah. you can get the room. You can win the room. But what about the guys in the back room doing this? But, do, but you don't care. I, I wouldn't imagine a person like you would I care. Do. You do. Yeah, because I, all I care about is my peers. To be honest, I, like if I can win my peers, then I win. Okay. Then I win. So, so the you, most cynical, if he goes, "Oh, I can't do that," then I win. Okay, let me put, throw it out there. If you could win the respect of one comedian, stand-up comedian, who would it be? The the kid I don't know. Yeah. The kid I don't know who is assuming he uh, who's already prejudged me, thinking I'm an interloper. Look, man, I'm a lifetime comic actor that includes everything i do improv i do stand-up i act in comedies i act in comic uh television shows i guest star everywhere i i i I, I'm i'm a series regular everywhere i am a comic actor in movies all kinds of movies i'm a guest in movies i'm everywhere i do voiceovers in all kinds of cartoons i do voiceovers for uh, commercials i will do commercials i will do stand-up i will do everything so as far as i'm concerned 
Like that's that's what's surprising to me is that you're a person of that status and you would care what comics in the room think. Like I, in my mind, I would just as long as I'm happy with the product I'm putting out and the audience is laughing. That that's because I I'm gonna put it like this: when I first started stand up, I was in a I was opening up for a comics comic, I would say, and he goes, "Well, you know, I, I care more about the comics than." Uh, the audience, but me is like, well, how are you going to draw an audience when you have? But he had that airiness. It wasn't. Okay. It was. All it right. wasn't the giving to the. It was like I'm better than you. Oh, okay. Now I understand that. Yeah. Now I don't think that way. Okay. Uh, this is now. Here's the arrogance. I'm assuming I'm going to get where my shovel's digging deep. I'm going to get all that dirt. But I'm like, oh fuck, I can't get that pebble over there. Ah, okay. So. And again, it's not ego, but I, I, I understand what I'm giving the audience and by the feedback, their laughter, I recognize I'm giving you what you need, what we both agreed that we're, I'm going to do my job for you. But, you know, if I can also get that motherfucker who yeah. did not want to laugh, like, <clears throat> oh, okay, okay, okay. So then you really win. And it's not about him. Yeah. Now, will he, can, can I spread my wings? Larger, right? To invite all, to 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 uh, encompass all. We might say crush all. Yep. You know, bring them all into the thing. Like you, you cannot stand outside my circle. I you like try, it. You can try, you can try, you can try, but eventually you go fuck. The corral just got behind me. I'm part of it. Yeah. That's you know, because uh, it's our job. It is our job. Not my ego. It's my job to not let anybody outside of it. Okay, so like you said, you're in movies, you guest star in movies, TV shows. When did you reach a point? I started in two movies, but that's fine. Okay. Only two. <laughs> well, two. Well, it's okay. Yeah. I'm kidding. No, no, no. Good. But my thing is. Yeah, I got no fucking ego about any of this shit. <laughs> I really don't. I really TV, don't. TV, you're on TV all the time. Yes. Every, I mean, you're in. I'm inescapable. Inescapable. That's a good word for it. So when did you become inescapable where you're in this industry where you're like, I, I'm good. I, I, because I, so many people worry about. Oh, I may not get booked next year. Or, never. You're worry. not at that point. Never, anymore. never, never from the beginning. Now, this is not arrogance. This is the truth. Uh-huh. Like the 13 year old boy standing against a tree, looking at the sunset, going, "I'm going to do something." Okay. Once I decided to be an actor, and this is not arrogance. This is necessary, and I'm sure you've done it too. Uh-huh. I'm going to make it. Oh yeah. Period. Now, then, when I say I'm going to make it, what's important to me? It's important to me to have the respect of my peers. Now, that kid that's looking in the comedy club is not my peer. He wants to be, mm-hmm. so he can get here or not. He can hate me forever, right? Doesn't matter. If I get it, great. If I don't, it doesn't matter. But if I get the respect of the peers that I want to be peers with, then all right, then I'm there. So that's what I've always wanted. Who's to- the first peer that you got the respect from that you looked up to? Well, there were people in Chicago yeah. you know, whose names you might not know, okay. who who I understood that they were able to look among the pool of people there and go, you're actually good. You're special. Yeah. And there are some teachers and people like, like hey, man, uh, one guy, uh, Noah Greg Lappos, who's a good friend of mine, said to me, it begins by knowing. And what he meant was, you're good enough. Yeah. Don't stop doubting yourself. Because we all have that. Oh, 100%. But he wrote it on a napkin. I still have it somewhere. Uh, begin by knowing. Okay. So I want to jump ahead because I'm so it's bummed. Fine. We only got a few more minutes. I'm more fucked. 
But I know you've talked about this endlessly, but Anchorman. That's fine. Yeah. It's still. It's special. It's, it's rare. It's special. Uh, it's special. It's rare. Uh, you, 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 you hope to be part of something that um, is, is part of people's lives for a long time, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. And if you get one, you're lucky. I hate this question because I interview. I hate the question. It's okay. Did you that know you, we, you, when you, you were shooting you, it? You have to ask this question. You must, as your job, you must ask this question for your people. Yeah. As much as when I go do stand-up, I must do lines from Anchorman for them. Absolutely. Yes. So when you're shooting it, yes. did it feel different yes. and special? Yes. yes. So you knew. I'll tell you a story. Okay. So uh, I'd known Adam McKay since 1991. Met him uh, for the first time on an L train in Chicago. He had seen me on stage because he was a, a year or two behind me as a student. And so he came up to me and we started talking. And then, you know, then you pay witness to the power of McKay, who's the brightest, uh, I will say, even to this day, uh, probably the brightest individual I've ever met. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the guy is just, the brain has its own mag, uh, uh, magnetic pull, you know, his own gravitational pull. It's one of those white-hot minds. You're like, wow. And still, again, zero ego on McKay. Uh-huh. I've never seen ego. I've seen him go, think about what you just said, and he never derides anybody. He never derides anybody. He accepts anybody's bad uh, ideas <laughs> and goes, okay. And he never shuts it down. He invites it in and might ask a question, which in the Socratic method, that's the way we illuminate the other mind. We don't tell it what to do. We go, I know you're smarter to think something else. Mm-hmm. It's just a fantastic mind and fucking a comedy goddamn genius. Yeah. He's the only one outside of Farley that I just like, how the fuck does this exist? Uh, I would come in on Anchorman because you'd be encouraged to like improvise and for the second one I'd write shit like here's my line but I'll I'll write 10 alts because we're going to do alts which means uh, we'll do the dialogue but then we're going to do a bunch of different ones and I'd write 10 ones I'd like oh I give some thought and I'd show them the case like yeah yeah, that's great that's great you always say that's great that's great then give you five more that fucking beat yours by 10 (laughs) god damn it I can't (laughs) that's great that's great but here's some ones you should try yeah so was a lot of that movie... Uh, oh, yes. Okay, I'll just answer, yeah. your, answer your direct question. Um, so I'd known McKay for a long time. I'd known uh, I had known Will, obviously, for a while. And I'd known Steve since way back at Second City. Steve's a god. Steve yeah. is, is amazing. Um, you know, he's not flashy. He's just brilliant. It's, he's rare, too. Mm-hmm. Rare. So um, halfway... So I'll tell you, the first week that myself and Paul and Steve had gotten a movie and Will's the star. So, you know, Will's got to, when you're a star, you've got to have some time every day, like to get into your thing. But myself and Steve and, and, and uh, Paul were in, in our trailers because there, there's trailers that are three or there's trailers that are one, two, three, or eight. Yes. We were in threes. So, <laughs> so the, it's you, Steve, and Paul. <laughs> so <laughs> we would visit each other's little rooms. And um, are we out of time? So, and then um, after the first week of filming, all of us were married. All of us had gone back to our wives after the first week and said to our wives, like, I don't know what to do. I'm not keeping up. These guys are too funny. I don't know what to do. So that was comforting. Wow. We all had the same discussion with our wives. Now, halfway through the movie... We're all 
still talking like oh, this is this is really good because it's making you guys laugh. Oh, oh that's yeah. seeing. Oh, you're so much, con- and that's when you really you're know, really right? having to to really struggle to not laugh because you don't want to blow the other guy's take. So this is a two shot, let's say. So if you're laughing and it's my single, it's fine. You'll mm-hmm. you won't be you won't blow it. Now there's three of us in the scene and someone's doing something you're like oh. oh Oh, how do I not laugh, right? But halfway through the movie, the three of us were in one of the rooms. And like, yeah, this is, this is really good. Almost like when you're watching, if you're a baseball fan, if you're watching a no-hitter and you're in the seventh or eighth inning, yeah. you don't say, oh, it's a no-hitter. Yeah. Because that's bad luck. That's how this movie felt. Like, this is, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, the interesting thing was, uh, it was not a hit to begin with, the movie. No. It came out in August of 04, which back then, now there's not really a, 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 a dog days of summer, a dead dead time to release a film. Back then, if you were in August, you're like, they don't really care. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they really knew. They didn't understand the film. If you remember, the tagline or the, the marketing line on the on the poster was, we bring you the news so you don't have to get it yourself. Yeah. Fuck you? What? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. They really did not understand the movie. The movie uh, underperformed because it made $86 million at the box office. At that point, the, the benchmark was $100 million as a hit. Oh, we wow. weren't. We uh, weren't. Okay. So then, because uh, people just didn't know what this what was. It, yeah, it was, it was new. Really, it's a brilliant satire with a dumb center. Yes. Everyone thinks it's just dumb. It's not. It's really, really smart. Mm-hmm. And so it took people a while to go, oh, I got to get to the smart stuff. There's a dumb thing I like. But at the same time, they're being informed, you know, understanding that we're making fun of dumb. Yeah. You know, we're making fun of bad. It, would you say it was lightning in a bottle? Uh, no. No? Because it wasn't. Because it took years for it to become yeah. what it became. So then it became people's, some people's favorite movie. Then people started seeing it the second time and going, oh, now I get it. Then it became a thing that people watched as a family. My favorite thing is when generations, I'll meet them in airports. There's a grandfather, a father, and a son. Yes. And they're all like, we all love it. And I'm like, fuck yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the good stuff. And it might be for different reasons, but it doesn't matter. It, it happens, so that's fun. Um, so in a way, slow lightning in a big bottle. <laughs> slow lightning. Know. But it became a cult hit. Then it became a pop culture phenomenon and that's the rare thing which is nice and it must be i mean we got to end on it god yeah. you got to come back one it's okay day I, what, i'm at your beck end call yes thank you or so, beck end call. so uh what are you working on now i know uh, you're on this bless this mess bless this mess really a good show and i wouldn't say this i'd go oh yeah watch it but it's really good show it's probably the best writing i've ever been able to participate in 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 uh television other than f is for family which is fucking just magic mm-hmm. uh mike price and the other guy what's his fucking name bill bill burr i've never heard of him. never heard of bill burr no i'll say this though isn't he like new up-and-coming he's, a, he's an up-and-coming he might make he's it. pretty good yeah uh i'll say this though uh the kansas city chiefs are gonna fucking wipe the floor with the Patriots, mm. December eighth, it's going to be so much fun. And Bill Burr's going to are you like, going to have Mahomes back though? Mahomes already back. Oh, and okay. uh, Bill Burr's going to be like, oh, Dave, you knew better than any of us. Because <laughs> I'm going to watch the, the game with Bill Billford Burr, Chiefs, go Chiefs. Anyway, okay. um, but you were saying. 
something else. I forgot now. Uh, was final wrap up? Oh, oh the blessed mess. Blessed you were, mess. You were talking about Tuesdays on ABC. Uh, it's a great show. The writing's great. Oh, the Bill Burr, uh, the Effeser family. Yeah, that is just. Uh, it's beyond magic. It's goddamn hilarious. I can't. I, so it's animated. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's on I Netflix. Can't, I cannot get through my lines. It's so funny. Uh, you're like, ah, ah, you got to fight through. Uh, it's brilliant. Uh, Bless This Mess is brilliant as well. We've got an amazing cast. And it sounds like bullshit when an actor gets like, we got uh, truly uh, a remarkable cast. Yeah. It doesn't happen often. Uh, I've been. Dax uh, Shepard is in it. Uh, He's great. Dax is an angel. Lake is an angel. Ed Begley Jr. is. Uh, so if they're angels, he's God. Yeah. Pam Greer. <laughs> come on. JT Neal. Uh, Lennon uh, Parham. My wife. I, I don't know if I've had. I've had a lot of comedy partners. She's uh, among the best, easily. She plays my wife. Man, it, we are just in sync, and it's beautiful. It's no look pass all day long. I love it. We we are we are afforded the opportunity because the writing is so good that they give us a lot of emotional moments. And with Lennon and I, whatever they need, and it's on the fractions, we can look at each other and go here and go like, yep. And it's just. We've never talked about that. It's like, yeah, okay. That's it's great. it's a, just a beautiful scene partner, and it's so fun when you get to work with someone like that. All right. Well, our time is done, David. You got to come back soon. Okay? Our time is done for now. For now, but I will see you soon. I All right, so. sir. Thank I, you I so much. You. Thank you so much.